Let us pray. God, help us to be good and faithful servants that we might, in the fullness of time, enter into your joy. Amen. So the uh, parable of the talents is not one of the most popular uh, in, of Jesus' parables. There are no hymns in either Voices United or More Voices, the two main hymnals of the United Church that we use today, uh, about this story. Uh, I read for the children's time a godly play adaptation, but not actually by godly play, because they made godly play versions of most of Jesus' parables, but not the parable of the talents. For some reason, there's something about this story that we don't quite like as much as some of the other parables of Jesus. But it's one of my favorites, perhaps, because it's all about money and business and profit, and so uh, I like those sorts of things. It's an interesting parable, and like all of Jesus' parables, there is more than one way to understand it. There's always more than one way to read anything in the Bible. One of the common ways to read the parable of the talents is that the master represents Jesus, who goes away for a long time and then will come back, and that we, in some way, are these servants, and we're being asked which kind of servant we're going to be. Good and faithful, like the servants uh, who go and make a lot of money for their master, or wicked and lazy, like the servant who buries the talent in the ground uh, and then uh, challenges the master, saying how the master is harsh. Now that's the most common way, and we can walk through about what that might say, about what God wants us to do, that God wants us to use our gifts uh, in order to produce abundance, in order to be fruitful, uh, and that God doesn't want us to hide our gifts in the ground. And that's, of course, the, one of the more common ways of reading the story. It has a problem, though, in that it doesn't paint the master in a very good light, because the master uh, doesn't do any work and yet expects a profit. The master goes away for a long time and then comes back randomly and starts yelling at these servants. The master is portrayed as being harsh, reaping where they did not plant and gathering where they did not scattered seed, and striking fear into the hearts of their servants. And this is perhaps one of the reasons why we don't always like this parable as much. And so another way of reading this is that, as of asking ourselves, who were Jesus' followers more likely to be hearing this story? Were they masters or servants? And nearly always, they're the kind of people who would be servants and not who would be masters. Most of Jesus' followers, with a few notable exceptions, uh, were the poor and the struggling. They were the people who were on the lowest parts of uh, the social hierarchy. They were fishers. They were tax collectors who would be wealthy but who would be hated in the community. Uh, they were sex workers. They were uh, people who were pushed to the edges of society. And when there were people who were upstanding citizens, the best and the brightest, Jesus has often had difficult words to say to them. We think of the story of the rich young man who uh, asks Jesus how to enter eternal life, and Jesus says it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the rich man is a little shocked at this 
saying. Jesus isn't always nice. And so another way of reading the parable of the talents is that actually Jesus and then we as the servants of Jesus are like the third servant, the servant who has the one talent and who refuses to play the master's game, who says no to this game of trading and profit for people far away, uh, and says no to this unjust system that exploits the people who actually do the work. Because for many of Jesus's followers, they would be used to harsh masters, to masters who would reap where they did not plant and gather where they did not scatter. They would be used to these kind of cruel masters taking from them. They would be used to being uh, like that third servant, afraid of the boss. And so that's another way, just as true as the first and perhaps more familiar way of reading this story, that the third servant is actually the one that we are supposed to uh, empathize and connect with, rejected just as Jesus would be rejected by the powerful people, punished just as Jesus would be punished, showing us that sometimes you need to say no to the unjust and corrupt systems around you, even at a price. And so, there are two very different ways of understanding this story. And there's many, many more that I'm sure that we've heard or that we, uh, we could find. And it's the beautiful thing, not just about all of the Bible, but especially about the parables of Jesus, is that we can interpret them um, in many different ways to hear truth, that the Holy Spirit uses these stories uh, to speak to us, to weigh on our hearts in ways sometimes that we might not even expect. And that's part of what makes them so beautiful. And so in both of these, I think that we're given instruction on what being faithful looks like in our time. The master, if we take the first reading, the more conventional reading, uh, where the master stands in some way for Jesus or for God, uh, then we're told what to be faithful is to look like. God has given us uh, talents. Now, the word talent uh, in Greek stands for a unit of money that would represent uh, approximately 20 years' wages for the average worker. So to give you a sense, a talent is not a small amount of money. So five talents that the first servant got would be as much as the average person would earn in 100 years of work. Uh, so you can imagine how much money that might represent. It's a lot of money. Even one talent is a lot of money. So these aren't small amounts. Uh, so the servants, we're told, are given talents according to their uh, capacity, to their skill. Uh, and then they go and they trade with them. They run businesses in order to put these talents uh, and produce a profit. And then the master returns and wants to settle up. And the one servant, and in this first reading, the conventional reading, the servant who we're supposed to um, want to not be, uh, is afraid. And so in, in this conventional reading of the story, we want to be like the first or the second servant. We want to be uh, prudent. We want to take risks. We want to use what God has given us. And so that might be uh, all sorts of different gifts that we've been given. Gifts of actual talents, which is where our English word comes from, from this story. Maybe we're a good baker. Maybe we're good at organizing a meeting. Maybe we're a good listener. Maybe we uh, can drive uh, long distances safely and attentively 
And so we help people uh, get to meetings and appointments and events. Maybe we're uh, good on the phone and we're good at talking to people and seeing how they are. Maybe we're good at remembering people's birthdays or anniversaries or what's going on in their lives. And so we're good at helping people feel special. There's all different kinds of talents that God has given us that God wants us to put to use and not to hide in the ground. So that's one way of saying, what is it to be faithful? It's to use what God has given us for God's mission in the world. And if we look at this story in the other way, then what does being faithful mean? Sometimes being faithful means that when you are in an unjust system like that third servant, we need to follow the way of Jesus and say no, even at great personal cost. So sometimes people ask us to do things that are not right or are not fair. And our task then is to say no. And it might cost us friendships or jobs or promotions, status. It might cost us things that the world treats as valuable, like money. But sometimes we might be asked to say no. That is not right. I will not play a part in that kind of system, that kind of behavior. Just as Jesus did to the corrupt systems around him. That when the Roman occupied his people's territory, uh, he said no to their rules, no to their system. And he taught his followers to resist the Roman rulers. So much so that just as the third servant was punished, so too Jesus was punished. And teaches us that sometimes when we face injustice, when we face corruption, when we face wickedness, we need to resist. We need to say no. And that might cost us, just as it cost Jesus his life. And so then to be faithful is to stay true to what is right and good, even at great personal cost. Even when everyone around you is doing what uh, they're told is right, but when you know in your heart that that isn't right, to be faithful is to say no, to resist, and to stick true to what is important and true to us, even when everyone around us is doing the opposite. So there is one story, two very different ways of understanding it and what it means to be faithful. And there's many, many more, I am sure, stories of how this parable can teach us in our time what it is to be faithful. But all of these, however we might read it, we learn what it is to be faithful, what it is to bear fruit, from following the example of Jesus Christ, punished for us to set us free, who teaches us and gifts to us talents that we might put those to work in his service in our time. And so it is in the name of Jesus Christ, the faithful servant who calls us, that we say, thanks be to God. And amen.